Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and, would you believe it, show number 424 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies, and shining a light on great practice. You can visit engageforsuccess.org to learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter so you never miss out on any of our great free resources, events, and updates. I'm Andy Gore. I'm your host for today's show and founder of BizJuicer, a consultancy that helps companies connect purpose and proposition to your people, creating stickier, more successful businesses from the inside out. Now then, it's official. Post-pandemic overwhelm is a thing. The last two years have been a roller coaster for everyone. But now things are beginning to properly wake up. Employers have to plough on with working out how best to support their businesses and their people and get back up to speed. But it can all feel a bit much. So where do you start and what should you do? Well, today I'm speaking with special guest Jane Sunley, founder of Purple Cubed, a multi-award winning consultancy and tech business who've helped many people-centric organizations become better places to work. As well as that, she's helped various not-for-profit organizations, written three business books, co-authored a fourth, is a trustee of the Oxford Cultural Collective, is the president of HR and hospitality, is a visiting fellow at two universities, has been a previous recipient of the Shine Ambassador of the Year and Woman of the Year Awards, and is now penning her first novel. And plus, she's managed to squeeze in some time into that busy schedule to talk to us today on the topic of post-pandemic overwhelm. Welcome to the show, Jane. Thank you very much, Andy. It's great to be here. It's lovely to have you. Now, firstly, did I miss anything in that list? No, I'm sitting here slightly cringing, but it is a lovely introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> so much stuff going on. Amazing. So <laughs> with all of that going on, what's what's focus of your attention right now? Yeah, where to start, really? Um, I think it's all about companies that are trying to map out their future, if you like. And obviously, a lot of service industries where, where we t- tend to reside are having loads of issues trying to recruit people at the moment and trying to retain people. I mean, it's the same old stuff that you know all about employee engagement, but it, it's magnified, obviously, because of this many issues, Brexit, et cetera, pandemic, et cetera. So what I'm trying to help people do is to authentically become great places to work, because everybody's like, how do we recruit? And my view is the best way to recruit at the moment is through employee advocacy. So the recommendations of your existing workforce, but they're not going to recommend you if they're not happy themselves. So it is about going back to, to grassroots really and saying, how do we become a really great place to work authentically? So many people seem to want to, you know, tick the box and put the marketing words out there. But if it's not true, it's just not going to work. I so agree with that. I, ju- I just love the term authentic it's i think it's a fantastic attribute to have um and as you rightly say it goes way beyond ticking a box and inverted commas doing engagement but um yeah yeah, i'm not going to get my soapbox out and all that today because we are here (laughs) to talk about 
this pandemic or post-pandemic overwhelm. So I think most of us are familiar with the term overwhelm. I don't think we're allowed to use stress anymore. I'm not sure that's a law, but I don't think we can use that anymore. But how are you seeing this manifest itself in work and with the clients that you deal with? Uh, well, I've been doing, as part of a lot of the, the cultural work that we do with people, so some of this at the moment is pinning down what are we, you know, what's our purpose, you mentioned purpose, you work with purpose, you understand that, what are we about, how do we do things around here, and a lot of that is a fact find, and I've been doing quite a few of these interviews myself, because I'm just very interested to find out what's going on, because obviously I've got a team as well, but, um, and what I'm finding is that there are no norms everybody feels differently so some people are have been really bored over the last two years others have doubled their workforce and have never been so busy and stressed out in their lives some people have hated being isolated but others are now fearful of being back with people again um, some people are looking for normality some people don't want the previous normality because they decided it actually wasn't very good once they were you know had an opportunity to stand back and kind of recalibrate their their aspirations so there are all sorts of issues like lost confidence and loss of stamina and mental agility and loss of creativity and and what's happening is people have been kind of papering over the cracks so what I'm attempting to do is to say look it is about time you businesses out there that you learn to treat people as the individuals they are because there is a bit of a blanket approach to these things sometimes and I get that you know, people need to take action. But sometimes in, in ticking that box and, you know, doing the, the the general stuff, you miss what's actually needed, if that makes sense. Oh, well, look, 100%, Jane. I think this is the complexity of engagement today, isn't it? I mean, uh, the last two years have magnified it, really, because it's all about understanding and finding connection between what drives an individual or what drives a business. And Lots of businesses, lots of individuals have had very, very different experiences uh, over the last two years. Um, you know, some people have, I guess, enjoyed uh, almost the isolation of, of working at home, whereas for, for other people, it's been like an asylum. Um, other people have enjoyed connecting uh, on a digital basis and have probably connected with more people than they ever have before. Other, others have missed all the human contact. So no, I completely, I completely get it. I mean, you, you talk about these one-to-one interviews. Just explain how how's that process work. What sort of questions you've been asking, and 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 if there are any kind of major standout findings that that you've come across. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a fact find. So it is about you know how was it before the pandemic? How is it now? What's your business mm-hmm. about? How do you feel you can contribute? All of those good things. But they've also been um, a bit of an opportunity for people to offload. Um, and a company came to us, you know, one of our long, long-standing clients, we've worked with them for God, probably about 15 years plus, had said, do you know what? We just want people to have an opportunity. And I said, you know, look, I do do coaching and stuff sometimes, but it's not my bread and butter stuff. And they said, no, we just want them to be able to talk honestly to an outsider about how mm. they feel and what they want for the future. And it's, it has been quite interesting because obviously I've got a few kind of factual questions that I ask them. But then once you delve into it, you know, I've had everything from people saying, I never want to go back to the way it was before. And I'm actually thinking of going to go and do something completely different to people ending up, you know, bursting into tears and saying, I just don't know how I'm ever going to get up to speed again. 
very, very, as I say, very uh, varied. And it, it's not really, you know, we don't want to encourage people to, to dwell on the negative stuff. But I think if you don't have an opportunity to get it out, it's always in there. It's always going to be sort of hovering underneath the surface. So it's part fact find and part brain dump, if you like. Um, and I suppose that requires a, a degree of trust that, you know, obviously we're not going to excuse me, directly attribute anything that people have said um, to that person. And I think people have actually really enjoyed just kind of offloading it and, and knowing that we're going to make sense of it all for them uh, and make a plan, I guess. So that's I, what I guess. Yeah, I guess this what tunes into that whole thing that we seem to be getting more comfortable sharing our own stories now. It's it, it's okay. Not necessarily this is a completely set up to be psychologically safe, but it does seem like over the last two years people are happy sharing, um, uh, and, and I'm more so. And and we obviously at Engage Success would always hold up employee voice as one of the for enablers of engagement and and you're you're bearing that out with this story right of of people wanting to be heard and be be listened to i mean i'm i'm almost repeating myself with the question but i'm just i'm just keen to understand with all this individual experience and different business contexts for people have there been any common themes that are coming out that people are looking for in the future or is it all yeah incredibly varied what, what's what's the story so i didn't get to answer the second bit of your question did i so i will do that now Andy. um so i think there's a big thing about trust so there are you know people who didn't have a very trusting relationship with their employer or their company before and it's got worse there are some companies who handled it really well and actually boosted the trust a bit and people were quite surprised and then there were people who you know it, it sort of has just dwindled so the trust was there to start with but actually the way people dealt with stuff made them go the other way so I think the whole trust piece is massive and the need to be conversations about that you know you can't just assume that people are going to trust you uh, I mean I, I think I read there was a, a thing in Harvard Business Review that something like eight out of ten people would trust a stranger more than their manager wow <laughs> that's shocking isn't it uh, yeah grief. exactly um and and the middle management layer as i always call it has got this massive responsibility and, and i do think when we go into these what they've done to develop their leaders and i don't necessarily mean sitting them in a classroom and doing maslow there's nothing wrong with that but just in terms of how do we lead as a collective and what are the things we do and don't do and teaching people to do that in the way of the business so that people know what they're getting there seems to be this massive missing part around leadership. You know, that sort of thing they can send the top team off to, you know, somewhere fabulous, off to Harvard or something. Um, and then the middle lot just sort of don't seem to be getting this this very necessary help to, you know, get these trust working and, and just the whole sense of team and self and, you know, moving from command and control. I mean, it's all old chestnut stuff, this, but people still aren't doing it. You know, they're still trying to control people who've worked at home for two years, who, you know, prove perfectly well that they could be trusted to, to do things and treated as an equal and, and all the rest of it. So, you know, micromanagement thing is gone. I think that's a silver lining of the pandemic, honestly. But um, people need to understand that. So trust, anyway, has been a massive thing. Um, sharing is 
absolutely right. And I wrote a piece recently about oversharing because I think there's a bit of stuff happening at the moment where companies think everybody can offload everything and they've got to take it on and deal with it. And actually, it's about saying we do want you to share, but here's an appropriate way to do it. And here's how we can help. And here are the things that you're going to be responsible for. Because I do worry that ultimately you're just going to have a whole load of people expecting their companies to sort everything out for them. So while yeah, I am totally <laughs> empathetic on this, I think there is a midpoint where people need to be encouraged to take some responsibility and give them coping strategies for you know, dealing with some of their own stuff. Otherwise, you're going to end up back up with the parent-child and we're just getting into the adult-to-adult relationship part, aren't we? So there is that. Um, I think there's a, a, a lot about um, self-care on the back of that, just looking after yourself, and particularly managers looking after themselves. I mean, a lot of managers completely martyred themselves, not in a negative way particularly, but during the pandemic, they kept everything going and they must be absolutely wrung out now and it's time for them to look after themselves because if they can't be up there really hard to lead their teams so I think there's quite a lot about you know learning just to to cope better if if you like um and I think the other thing is that people are perhaps expecting a little bit too much to start I keep saying to people give it time give it time and actually I'm a very busy person who works incredibly fast but I, I just realized that you need to give stuff time at the moment so it's a bit like you know where the mental and the physical agility stuff has gone it's a bit like if you, you know, if you didn't go to gym for two years, you, your lovely muscles that you cultivated beforehand would have depleted, and it would take you another year or so to get back up there. And I do keep using that analogy because people need to realise that they've just got to build back up. And and very much people are sort of the people I've talked to are expecting to, you know, they feel the expectation is there that they've just got to be back up to speed and everything's got to be fabulous, and they're really struggling with that. And that might just okay. be a perception. I think it's probably bang on. Um, if I put my own historic running efforts as a context, you know, uh, for a, the first year of lockdown, I was a right old patio pounder. I was exercising all the time. Second, more of a fridge raider than a patio pounder, uh, which wasn't so good. And so because it's January, I'm back out on the streets and I'm looking at the times that I'm running for meagre distances and I'm having to temper my expectations. And I think it's exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same yeah. thing. Yeah, and I think it's more apparent with, with, a, with running or gym or whatever else it is you do because you just physically can't do it. But when it's in your head... Yeah. People are kind of beating themselves up, thinking, "Oh, I'm just not as quick as I was," or, you know, I've just I've, I should have thought of that already. And it's like, you know, be kind to yourself. I think that's a massive thing. It's just be a bit kind to yourself and kind to so, others. And, and so true, Jane. you know, it's yeah, we've all got to be nice to each other now. And I know it might sound a bit simplistic, but God, I mean, this is a one of those times when it's sort of united us all as a community. We need to support each other i suppose well we do we need to hang on to that i think the kindness thing's interesting as well because a slight parallel to that is i don't know but what what you think but you know in the last six months you've heard a lot of leaders come up come out and talk about policies and actions they're putting in place to increase kindness to employees and well-being and they seem to crumble under a bit of questioning from people when they're sort of so are you taking all your holiday in entitlement uh, are you not doing email on the weekend and they're often saying oh yeah well i don't consider myself the same as the employees yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. so what they're doing is they're not getting themselves some slack but also their behavior is then influencing what actually happens in the workplace anyway 
Yeah, because you can't underestimate the value of role modeling. You know, you are going to do what your manager does or a person you admire does because that's the way it works. And that's why all of these leaders have to, you know, stop doing the Sunday night emails and the whatever else and, and, yeah, apply it to themselves because that's the only way that real culture change will happen. You can't have one set of rules for everybody and then, you know, the, the managers and leaders do something completely different because they're somehow above a side of or different from everybody else. It just doesn't work, really. Yeah, and then we're into the whole debate around fairness and how people feel about being treated fairly in um, in, in the workplace. But yeah. if those are the sort of key themes, there's some lovely stuff in there um, that, that have come through from the research, what do you think leaders, managers, whoever, can do to help themselves cope more appropriately and then on top of that are there things that organizations should be doing to support that yeah um i I think first of all just accept that what you're going through everybody else is going through even though they look like the swans their their feet are pedaling hell for leather underneath i mean everybody is you know the most capable people are, are struggling i think so accept that you know we are where we are it's normal to feel displaced and overwhelmed to use that word. Um, and I think there's a really important piece about attempting to stand back, take a bit of a break and think about things. And that's very difficult, particularly in service industries where mm. everything's very reactive and everybody's trying to get back to stuff. And there's so many times when I've said to people, and when was the last time you sat down and thought about planning or thought about yourself or, you know, and people go, oh no, I've no time for that, I've no time for that. But you know, you just, it's like the hamster in the wheel, you get into that situation where being reactive suddenly begins to feel actually quite normal and even quite enjoyable and yeah it does become a state of mind doesn't it yeah and and also because you're doing something you think I must be getting somewhere I must be doing it whereas if you say right I'm going to take two hours out and I'm just going to sit down and I'm just going to think about things then you almost feel I'm not very active here so I'm not doing it and actually it's that really meaningful thinking you know just sitting and writing stuff down and, and I know because I make myself do it and I think oh, I haven't got time to do that. And I make myself do it and then I think, oh, my God, I'm so glad I did that because I've really worked something out. Even if it's only one thing, you've worked something out that's going to make a big difference. So there is that. Um, I think there's a huge thing about boundaries, i.e. Um, working out what your own personal boundaries are. Because as I said, a lot of people have recalibrated their expectations and what they are prepared to put up with and not. And I think there is a thing about okay you know I don't want to go back to the the bad bits of before so what are my boundaries and just learning to say no to things again you know service industries it's really hard to say no because you talk right from you know when you go into it at 16 or whatever whenever um you know that you you need to be very accommodating and and bend over backwards for everybody and of course you want that that feeling to come across to a guest or a customer but you can't do everything because it's not good for your mental health. And as we know, you know, there's a whole massive crisis um, around well-being and just trying to kind of stoically get everything done and say yes to everything just is not going to help that at all. So there is a piece around boundaries for sure. And expect it. I think managers need to say, you know, let's work out what our boundaries are as a team. Because if you do that and everybody knows that that is an occasion where you all need to agree on the same thing because then people know how far they can go, so that's super important. I think um, equally focus on now, stop focusing on the past. 
you know, when I was doing my interviews, so many people wanted to go over and over the things that had happened. And I get that they were doing a bit of offloading. But actually, you get to a point where you have to say, how is this helping you now? Let's get it out, you know, go and talk to someone, find a mentor or someone you can go and talk to your dog or your cat, get all the bad stuff out, but then draw a line under it and move forward because you've only got so much energy and, and mental acuity to be able to to move forward. So there's absolutely no point having regrets and worrying about what's happened and isn't everything terrible? It's a bit like the whole political situation at the morning. We know it's all awful, but it's all people talk about. It's like, hang on, put some of that energy into, you know, doing something more positive is my view, yeah. and I'm not a person. Uh, absolutely. You can't move the car forward if you're constantly checking out the rear mirror. <laughs> or yeah. it's, it's, it's not an effective strategy. Um, no. And as I've got no. uh, with a daughter who's taking a driving test on Thursday, oh, please remember that, Meg. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, your daughter listens to your podcast. I'm impressed. Mine never listen or. I'm kidding myself if she believes that. If I believe, <laughs> if, if I believe that, Jane, I'm kidding myself. But <laughs> any, m- moving, moving, moving on. Yeah. The. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about service industry. There's a lot of my background in in, in hospitality. I mean, many many believe we're still in the grip of a recruitment crisis, particularly in that hospitality industry. How do yeah. you think this is also contributing to people's um, sense of overwhelm and well-being? Oh, massively. I mean, there's, I don't think there's a single hospitality business who's not, you know, they're, they're not tearing their hair out at the moment. And it's absolutely true. But again, it's about doing what you can do. And it's awful that you might not be able to open three nights a week because you haven't got the people. But there is no point trying to stretch the people you have got to such a state where you're going to lose them as well. So it's almost you've got a balance between how can we make things reasonable? And of course, you're going to lose money if you close three days a week. But if you haven't got any people left at all, you'll be closed seven days a week. So it, it is being taken that brave step. And I know, you know, the hospitality is had a horrible time over the last two years. I mean, just horrendous. But almost in a way, when you're so far out of your comfort zone, people have been pushed so far out now that whatever life throws at them, they'll just deal with it. I mean, it's like the most expensive training course ever, really, in resilience. So I do think there's a bit about, you know, saying, what have I got? And what can I do with what I've got? And just, you know, finding a way. Because there are people going around now saying, do you know what? Proudly saying, do you know what? We don't open two days a week because our boss doesn't want us to get really stressed. So that is employee advocacy, whereas you've got other people going, oh, you know, this is terrible. I'm expected to pull double shifts every day and it's awful. So it's just about using your common sense, really, and doing what's reasonable. And and I know we're all trying to make money, but the only way we're going to recover is is to do what I say and do it in steps and over time and only do what you can do. You you just can't expect any more, really. No, I mean, I've had um, a few of my hospitality clients, like in dire situations with regards to the numbers of employees they could get hold of um yeah you know forget recruiting people who absolutely bolster and improve the organization this is can i please get a warm body um, yeah. yeah because you know we, we are, we're in real trouble but i think yeah. i think what you're saying about the resilience thing is is incredibly important going forward and quite easy to lose sight of in, in that you might not think it now but some businesses will be in much stronger situations going forward on the back of the actions that they've that they've taken and we've seen that with with companies who 
and you mentioned it before, who have really taken on very focused people strategies uh, on the back of the last two two years. And these will be the guys I'm pretty confident of who will reap the rewards going forward of doing that. Like you say, the employees inside those organizations feel valued, feel significant, feel important, feel looked after. And that trust bond with the organization is possibly stronger than it's ever been. I think that's absolutely right. And you can see it. You could, you saw throughout the pandemic how people dealt with it, the good guys and the bad guys. And it was very distinct. There wasn't really anybody in the middle. They were either great at it or terrible at it. And, you know, this whole piece now going forward, it is going to make them so much stronger. I mean, I do like a shocking statistic. I'll give you one more before we finish. Oh, let's have it. Pre-pandemic, only two in 10 employees felt managed in a way that motivated them to do good work. And that's just generally employees, not hospitality. So that is a shocker, isn't it? Uh, For the benefit of the tape, I'm shaking my head at this point. No, I know. It's like really worrying. So there's got to be some very basic, fundamental things people can do, you know, just to treat people nicely and say to them what would make you feel motivated to do a great job. And the problem with organisations is they make all these decisions in the boardroom and they think they know what people want. I mean, you know, this makes us a living on our consulting side because when we go in and find out what people actually want, it's a completely different thing than everybody who works there, you know, the, the leadership team thinks, you know, they need. I it think that's where that communication and involvement thing works though right Jane I mean that's that's the whole point of having that collaborative involvement piece to try and avoid those massive gaps and chasms that that we end up finding yeah yeah I mean communication I mean that old chestnut you must say it all the time but you know some people communicated so well over the last couple of years and some people were absolute disasters and that's a massive one you know can you imagine sitting at home not really knowing what's going on and when you are told you don't really understand what they're saying and what it means for you so I think things like, you know, the fundamental building blocks like communication and like leadership, how do we lead around here? If you don't get back to those basics and just find out what it is that people actually would value, then, you know, you're going to end up spending a whole load of money trying to resolve stuff and doing all the wrong things, I'm afraid. So if you were thinking about people and businesses and turning all this attrition into attraction, what, what would you say they should be focusing on going forward? I think they should absolutely find out how their people feel and where their people are at and what they need. And, you know, I would say this, wouldn't I? But the easiest way to do that is to get a third party to come and do it because you'll get the real stuff and not what people think you want to hear. Um, You know, there's a few people at the moment that have, have, you know, got proposals and things out with them. They go, well, we could probably do this yourself. And of course you could do this yourself. And, you you know, if you can't afford to do it any other way, then do it yourself. But you will get a better result by using someone who's completely impartial because people massively open up once they trust that the information is not going to be misused um and you know you might find one tiny thing that makes the whole difference to everybody so i think go and do the fact find first don't you know there's so people i'll give you an example well-being everybody's going well let's have a first uh, you know a mental health first aider and a this and a that and that's absolutely right but find out also if there's something else that's going wrong that's affecting people's mental health. You know, do the, the pre- prevention rather than the cure. I'm not saying don't have the cure. I'm just saying find out why people feel the way they feel in the first place. No, I, I, I think so. Listening, yeah. right? Come back to that thing again, listening. Yeah. Um, 
that that, that that's going to it's going to give you answers. <laughs> Uh, I yes. think the trick is then to do something with what do you've listened to. With it. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's where consultants come in, I suppose, because people get very overwhelmed. You know, when people do those massive employee surveys and then there's so much to do, nothing happens. And I've seen that a million times. So what you yeah. really need is someone who will come in and find out what's going on and then to suggest, you know, work with you to find out what to do and then prioritise that because you can't do everything. So I think it's just about getting it straight because once you've got your plan, you can merely go off and do that yourselves, you know. Absolutely. So if you were if you were to give everybody listening just one piece of advice then in dealing with this overwhelm thing, what would you what would you what would you say to them? I'd just say listen to your people, really. However, you elicit that information, listen and then do something about it, and let them know what you've done. I think that is marvellously simplistic and doable advice, Jane. Thank you for that. And that is actually all we have time for today. Um, Don't forget to visit engagementsuccess.org to check out the show notes and all our fab free engagement resources where you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive also at your leisure. Thanks very much for sharing your thoughts and insights, Jane, and good luck with the novel. Thank you. I'll let you know when it's eventually out there. (laughs) I look forward to it. We'll be back again at the same time next week. I'm Andy Gorham, and thanks for listening to the Engage for Success radio show. Engage for Success radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.